Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine. John chapter 15. Jesus does say, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. So one of the things that I would say about these particular passages of Scripture, verses of Scripture, is that every branch gets a direct hand from the vine dresser. So if you are fruitful, uh, well, you, you get more help. If you are not fruitful, God's hand is still involved. And so there is no way for us to avoid God's direct personal involvement in our life. And as a, as a, as a I guess, a, a secondary truth here is that the goal of our life is fruit. That's what these two verses tell us, is that the goal of our life must be fruit. Now, if you look at, uh, you know, I'm not going to ask who's had one, but uh, you know what a, a, a heart calf, right? They, they take a, they take a uh, well, I'll just make it simple so that it didn't scare anybody or bring back anything. Uh, so they put a little balloon in there and they kind of open, open things up so that there's smooth movement inside the arteries or, or veins, right? This is a pretty, pretty standardized uh, procedure nowadays. You hear about them a lot. Well, so the word prune in Greek is the word katharoi, which is where we get our word to catharize. Hold on to that because it's going to be very, very important in just a little while. And so the word means as a heart cath cleans out an artery, so does God's pruning clears out things in our life. In John chapter 15, verse 2 through 4, he cuts off every branch in me. And that's important. He wouldn't have said it. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So this branch is still in Christ. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so they'd be even more fruitful. You are already clean. Now this is the same word again. Cathroy, cleanses. Because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So Jesus is telling them some truths here on his way to the garden, which is on his way to the cross. Some truths that we need to look through the symbolism and pull out for our own time to be able to understand what our purpose, our point, our goals really are in our walk with Jesus Christ. So if I can have your attention for a few moments, we're going to work through this passage and hopefully we'll begin to, uh, to get on target in our lives. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we are so grateful for your word. Your word is truth. And so help us to, uh, to be intentional about abiding, to be intentional about obeying and be consistent in our walk with you so that we may live ultimately for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Jesus tells his disciples here that they are clean. You are already clean. And in the arbor, 
in the vineyard, there are... So I want you to picture, because this symbolism is really, really rich and thick this morning, okay? So the branch that runs off of the vine, the branch sometimes will produce other things, false fruits. It'll produce some, uh, some vines that are weak and wilted, it will, or uh, uh, branches that never develop. It'll produce things like suckers. And so what the vine dresser will do is go through the vineyard certain times of the year and pull all of those external things off. Because what these external things will do is it will draw life from the real fruit that is trying to be developed. Most of us, this happens in almost any kind of agriculture. You go into any, you try to pull off the things that are not going to produce so that the things that will produce will have more nutrients and more energy and more sustenance to, to live off of and to do well from. So that's what Jesus is talking about when he looks at his disciples and says to them, You are already clean. Jesus has been walking with them for over three years, teaching them, pulling them away from the distractions of life, from the distractions of of money, from the distractions of networks, from the distractions of of, uh, lots of their entertainment, from the distraction of their old identity. And he is placing in place of the kingdom that they're living for, he is giving them exposure to God's kingdom. Their lives have radically changed. And so what Jesus is saying is, I have over the last three years been walking among you and pulling all of these external things that is drawing life from you, that is keeping you from producing. Remember, these guys were not believers before Jesus met them. They were going in all sorts of different directions. They may have thought that they were, but they were not producing for God's kingdom. Now, The reason that I say all of that is to say this. Jesus said, you are already clean. What's the very next thing that he says? Because of my words. What is the cleaning agent? The words of Jesus Christ. A lot of times we will try to clean up our own lives, right? You ever seen people who try to make some decisions in their own and say, well, I need to get rid of this and I need to get rid of that. Listen, the branch doesn't get to determine what is drawing life from the real fruit. The branch has one responsibility, and that is to abide in the vine. There's a lot of things in our life that we try to order out, and we say, well, this is what my life should look like. And, but listen, we need to allow Jesus Christ, who is the vine, He knows. He knows what's dry, drawing life from the real fruit. And so our job is not to figure it out. Our job is to obey the words of Jesus Christ. The Word of God is the standard by which we can know if it is drawing life or not, if it is giving life. And so we need to make sure that we are living obediently to the Word of Jesus Christ. It is the only way for us to be cleaned so that we can produce. Otherwise, if you order your own life and you make your own decisions and you live life by your own convictions, then you will produce whatever it is that you've orchestrated to produce, and you will celebrate that. But that may not be the fruit of God's kingdom. But the Word of God always establishes the fruit of God's kingdom. Our responsibility is not to know what kind of fruit we're going to produce. Our goal is to remain in Jesus' Word. 
I think sometimes we make it very, very difficult. If, if we were to determine what life is supposed to look like and, and where we feel good and where we don't feel good and what decisions that we're to make and what needs to go and what doesn't need to go, what we need to purge, what we don't need, what we can watch, what we can listen to, what words we can say, all of that sort of stuff, then we start, unfortunately, getting into a place where we are bearing fruit that may not remain. We may be satisfied with it, but we start working in the flesh. But I will tell you that, remember, fruit is Christ-likeness. So that's how you can know. Is what I'm doing and how I'm acting and the behavior and what I'm believing and how I'm feeling, is it becoming more and more like Jesus? Or am I becoming a better version of myself? That's not what Jesus called us to. Our goal is fruit. Fruit that comes as a result of remaining in Jesus Christ. You can experience some false fruit and celebrate that. But if you will remain in Christ's words intentionally, then you will produce fruit as a byproduct that gives Him glory and that remains for eternity. God's goal with the unfruitful Christian is restoration not destruction. I think that's really important because it would be really easy for us to to begin to experience uh, what we'll call spiritual terror. You read verses like this and you see him trampling out the wrath of the vine, right? I mean, you got Jesus God is this hard taskmaster and he's looking and he's a little bit angry anyway because of the uh, the lack of production cutting off dead branches and pruning live ones and he's gathering up all of the, the unusable branches and he burns them in a fire. And you know, when we hear fire, we automatically think of hail and fire imagery and we think of hail and demons and abiding of the lost and hopelessness. And but Remember, that you can think that way if you want to think that way, but God's goal for the unfruitful Christian is always, always restoration. And that's where we need to set our, our minds, is what is God's ultimate goal? God's ultimate goal is to, as the vine dresser, to flow through the vine, Jesus Christ, into us to produce fruit for the vine dresser's glory. This is very important. So God's goal with unfruitful Christians isn't destruction but rather restoration and production. The vine dressers have helped us understand this passage of Scripture and how the vine and the branches and the fruit and all of those things sort of work. There are times in the season of growth that a branch will do, uh, well, we'll say some wayward growing. Now, I'm going to tell you the way it works in the arbor, and then we're going to talk about the way it works in our own life, okay? The... The, uh, the branch kind of gets full of itself. There may be some disease already in the branch, kind of a, uh, something that's been allowed to remain in it, and it kind of, as it's growing, it kind of either darts toward the sun or darts toward the dirt, but it kind of goes away from all of the other branches. And it wants to do its own thing, and it starts producing stuff on itself that's not necessarily good for the whole vine and the rest of the branches, okay? So it starts to do its own self, its own stuff. 
It grows from the rest of the pack. It chooses its own path while the rest of the branches find their way along the arbor. It's doing its own thing. Now what will always happen with those wayward vines, the wayward branches. Now now listen closely because this is kind of complicated. I don't want to have to say it twice because I'll I'll mess my words up. So these branches, as they get out there further and further away, there's a law called gravity. And by nature, it'll start going down to the ground. If they get too far away, they will start by gravity going down to the ground. And when a, when a branch gets near the ground, it will start growing along the ground. Some of you have seen this happen before. It happens with lots of things. Jesus is using uh, a grapevine here, we believe. So the, the branch gets down along the, vi- the uh, ground and it begins to grow along the ground. Now here's something that's very, very important about those branches. They grow and they grow fast. Because they're closer to the ground. There's less problems. They're they're exposed to a lot less stresses. And so the branch actually will get really, really big and and a lot thicker than all the other branches that that are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And they will begin to produce lots and lots of leaves. Branches along the ground. All right? Some, in fact, most of the time, these low lying branches will actually begin to produce root systems. And so right out of the bottom of those branches will go right down into the dirt. And, and so it gets bigger and bigger, and it's producing leaves like crazy. But here is a, and you can write this down, okay? Branches that produce roots will produce leaves, but never produce fruit. Never. Branches that are near the soil will never... In fact, what will happen is all of these leaves are hanging everywhere and then it rains. And the dirt splatters upon the bottom side of the leaf, sometimes upon the top side. It smothers it out because it can't get sun. And then it mildews underneath because of the morning dew. And what will happen in just a pretty short period of time, it diseases the whole vine. And the whole vine begins to take all of its nutrients and force them down to try to fight off those diseases. And so now, very little fruit is able to take place because the diseased branches are taking up all of the effort. Now, let's backtrack a little bit. For those of you who have already seen the symbolism, you can see into the future and see where we're heading. For those of you who can't see that yet, get your pen ready. There are many times in a Christian's life where we think our idea is better and we want to do things our way and God gives us permission and so we, we go out here and we start doing our own thing. We start justifying it however we want. We know what kind of fruit we want to see from our life. We know what kind of identity we want to be known as. And so we go out there and do our own thing. And over time, you don't recognize it's happening, but over time you get further and further away from the vine doing your own thing. Now you're still drawing life off of the vine, but you're not drawing your purpose off of the vine. And so you're still very much alive, but gravity takes place and you begin to go lower and lower. And you don't know it, but you get down there to the ground. And before long, you didn't mean to, but you firmly established a root system. And now you're trying to exist for yourself. You're trying to do your own thing. You're attached to the ground that you have decided to live near. And the vine is still wanting to produce fruit. It's the whole goal of the vine is to produce fruit. But producing leaves is the best that you can do. Producing leaves is the best we can do. 
One day, we're not going to be held accountable for how many leaves we've produced, but how much fruit was produced from our lives. And so what happens is, as a result, we lose our focus, we lose our tethering, we lose our goal, we lose the sustenance. Things begin to completely fall apart and we start getting fatter and fatter and lazier and lazier. We begin to care less and less. We get diseased. We get mildewed. We start to rot. We're drawing life off the rest of the body. And it causes a dysfunction in all of the fruit production. So what we've done over the last 2,000 years is as Christians... There's a whole lot of churches and a whole lot of people who've gotten rooted in this is what I want to do and how I want to do it and the kind of fruit I want to produce. And what happens is it gets grumbly, it gets complaining, and it draws life from the rest of the body. And while some live to produce fruit for the kingdom of God, there's a whole lot of energy in the church that's devoted to low-lying branches whole lot of energy trying to motivate people to produce fruit but they're stuck in their root system firmly established producing leaves getting fatter and fatter give me more education give me something fresh give me something that will last me for the week give me something I hadn't heard before give me, give me, give me, give me, give me only focused on themselves. and if you're focused on yourself you can't possibly think about fruit Jesus did not call us to be disciples. In his, one of his last teachings to the, his apostles, he said in Matthew chapter 28, he said, go, or as you are going into all the world, in your daily living, as you make your way around, make disciples. Make disciples then is the fruit. If we're not careful, we will think that evangelism then is the sole fruit. Making disciples is the sole fruit. But listen to this, that's not the fruit. Evangelism and soul conversion is not the fruit of Christianity. The fruit of Christianity is Christ-likeness. And Christ-likeness produces replication. It reproduces itself. So if my goal is just to seek souls to save and to speak the gospel into people, I might win some people to my way of thinking. But the fruit may not remain. But if I will look more and more like Jesus over the course of my life, if sanctification is truly growing into Christian maturity, then as I am doing that, when people see me, they begin to see the character and nature of Jesus. And as they see the character and nature of Jesus, they're not attracted to me, they're attracted to Christ in me, in us. And as they are attracted to Christ in us, when, the life, when life falls apart for them, they begin to see the leaves that we bear, the health that we bear, and then they begin to see, as a, as a part of our fruit, Christ-likeness developing in us. Then they begin the same process with us too. Listen, soul winning or conversions or, see, or, or, or seeing people saved, sharing your faith with people, that is a byproduct of Christ-likeness. Some people will give themselves a way out and say, you know what, I'm just not good at sharing my faith. Don't be. I mean, you need to work on it. You need to be better at it. You need to be passionate about it and even have a conviction about it. But what you need to be really good at is abiding in the truth of Jesus Christ. 
Because if you'll abide in the truth of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ will bring people into your life that you're the perfect testimony. However you're living your life, you're the perfect testimony to be able to know how to lead them into a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't call us to be a disciple. Jesus called us to make disciples. Jesus did not call us to bear leaves. He called us to bear fruit, which is Christ-likeness. So, branches that grow well on the ground, and they do grow well, but they never produce fruit. A cruel God, I wouldn't even say that, I just did. I will say this, not a cruel God, a God that I would invent. That's not cruel, but normally a God would come along and see that kind of a branch that was so taken by itself. Cut him off, pick her up, bundle them together with all the other non-producers and burn them in hell itself. But a loving God, Jesus is telling us here, that's not the character and nature of God. He's not angry. He's loving. And so what He will do with His Word and our obedience is He will take those branches and He will clip all those roots off. And He will take all of those leaves and clip all of those leaves off so that that branch becomes movable. And He will take that branch and He will put it back up on the trellis and allow it to blossom. That's what a loving God does in our life too. When we've become so tethered, but listen, we have to give ourselves to His truth. He does not force us to do that. But He will do that as long as we will allow His pruning hand to be at work in our life. Now, sometimes that's going to hurt. Sometimes that's going to mean that we're going to have different responsibilities, different relationships, different comfort zones. You can't experience the pruning of God and still be comfortable. But you can't produce the goal of God in your life and be comfortable. I think we miss this a lot. I think we, we I see a lot of, of believers, and we're talking about pruning. So, you know, this is what God will do in the life of someone who's wayward. He'll lift us up. He'll rise us back up so that we can produce. But for those that are already producing, He prunes. So none of us can escape the goal of producing fruit. A lot of times what we'll do, and I've seen it and you've seen it, people will get right with God and they'll get fired up. I mean, they, they want to they get in classes, they want to learn what's the best this and the best that and who can I read and what should I read and... You know, we start getting so involved. We start talking to our friends about our new faith and all of these things are going really gangbusters and all of a sudden there's this plateau. How, you, how many of us have ever experienced a plateau in your Christian life? Anybody? So what God does is we're producing fruit. What God will do is He will do something to kind of dislodge that plateau so that we can continue to grow. If we're not faithful to that, we'll continue to be diseased in our faith. So what I have found is no matter where you are, you could be a brand new believer today and you are fired up and you're sharing your faith and you're reading everything you can read and you're learning everything you can learn and you're watching videos and Bible studies and all of those sorts of things. But there's going to come a time where you've done all of that you can do. And you're going to be tempted to do this. 
But there, there is another. God, God's hand is going to come and open up a door for you. And you're going to keep taking steps toward Christ's likeness until you say, nope, that's as far as I want to go. And what will happen in the life of a, of a believer is over the course of their life, they're going to get into old age and they're going to, not necessarily old age, but they're going to put it in neutral and say, you know what, I've paid my dues. I've taught my classes. I've read those passages before. I've done all of that. I've, did, I've, I've volunteered and I've given and I'm, now it's time for me. Listen, that's dangerous because that's a new plateau. You may have been spiritual superhero. But all of a sudden, and you've, and you've borne fruit, borne fruit, borne fruit. But now, you're at a place of plateau. And what a good God will do, is He will clean you up. What He is saying to us here, is that no matter where you are on the spectrum, there's more fruit to bear. Much more fruit, in fact. What he is saying is that the older we get in walking with him, the more like Christ we should look. And the more like Christ we should look, the more fruit should be produced in our life. Which is just like the vine. The older fruit is the sweetest fruit. But a lot of times in our life, we look at seasoned Christians, and they're kind of like rawhide. Dried up prunes. No offense. If you're offended... Uh, you shouldn't be. <laughs> Always looking for opportunities to develop more fruit in our life. More opportunities to abide in Christ. Well, I've already read that. I'll neglect it, neglect, neglect, and neglect. And we, don't, we give ourselves the benefit of that doubt. And I don't, think we're, I don't think we're the best ones. Listen, we cannot live the Christian life the best way we know how. We have to abide in Jesus. If you will abide in the words of Jesus Christ, then you will be able to live in such a way that gives Him glory and honor. So I think, I think there's several things that He's telling here, us here is this, that you cannot judge how successful you are in walking with Christ. Because you're always going to give yourself the benefit of the doubt, right? You want to judge yourself by your intention. So maybe you shouldn't answer the question of Christ-likeness. Maybe you shouldn't answer the question of how good am I at abiding in Christ. Maybe the question you should ask is this. Let me evaluate my fruit. Am I, the people around me, are they looking more and more like Jesus as a result of my presence? That's the question. And now you can't judge yourself based on your intention. You have to judge yourself based on the true application of God's truth. Are the people around me looking more and more like Jesus? So commitment is the key to maintaining a Christ life. Christ-like lifestyle. In John chapter 15, verse 4, he says, Remain. Uh, and, and so this word, some translations say remain, some translations say abide, stay. Uh, several different words that could be used here. But it's all the same Greek word. The root word here is meno. Meno. M-E-N-O. It was a pretty common word used back in Jesus' day. 
but uh, the word actually means like if somebody were to say, what's your address? They're asking, where do you live, right? So it, Jesus would say here, you need to make sure that your address, people don't, when they give their address, if somebody said to me right now, what is your address? I would tell them where my bed is at, not where I'm located, right? I mean, if anybody in here today were to say, hey, what's your address? You would know that they mean, where do you live? Although, I'm probably less there than I am anywhere else. Nevertheless, we know what we mean by that. That's the word that Jesus is using here. To make sure that your dwelling place is in Jesus Christ. Mino. Somebody says, where are you? I am firmly fixed on the commandments of Jesus Christ. I'm living in the life and the production of Jesus Christ. I'm right in the vine. Jesus goes further in chapter, chapter 15 verse 4 and says, You remain, have your dwelling place in me just like I have my dwelling place in you. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus dwells in me and He gives me the opportunity to dwell in Him. How does this work? Because it's a give and take in the, in the uh, vine and the branches. Life is flowing in and out through So your commitment to Christ is in direct and equal proportion to the fruit bearing. Your commitment, to not what Christ is doing in you, your commitment to Christ is in direct proportion to your fruit bearing. In verse 5, Jesus said that this kind of person who makes their address in Christ, their identity is in Christ, which means if my identity is in Christ, and Christ is willing to make His identity in me, and to use me to produce His fruit for the vine dresser, it doesn't seem like an equal exchange. What a gift! But this, this word much is the word polon. You don't have to remember the words. That's not the point. The point is that it's a very intentional word. It's like if you were to say, uh, it's an exaggerated word for great. You know, if you were, if you were to say, you know, there was a great crowd on planet earth. I mean, it's, it's like a, an exaggeration. Uh, and so when he says that we're to bear much, we would bear much fruit, our commitment into the vine is in direct proportion to bearing much fruit, which means as committed you are to Jesus, that's how much fruit will remain. All right? We get, I mean, this is not math, but it really does make good sense. So there is always a chance at greater fruit bearing. Fruit bearing is completely dependent upon your obedience to the teachings of Jesus Christ. And there's not a limit as to how much we can produce. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you say, you know what, I really don't want to bear as much fruit as I can. In fact, I really would like to live as much as I can live. I want to live as low as I can without 
making roots. I want to live as highly as I have to so that I can give God something. But I really want to kind of do it myself. Jesus said, unless you're making this firm commitment apart from me, what can you accomplish? Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing or demonstrating yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus said in verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. The Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Listen to this. This is incredible. So whenever I am focused on producing fruit for His kingdom, which is what He's called me to do, my focus is fruit. How do I have fruit? I can't focus on the fruit. I have to focus on remaining. Fruit is a byproduct now. I am focused only on Jesus Christ and living for His ultimate glory. If you will live that way, 100% committed, everything that you want, He will give you. But you will be desiring what is best for His kingdom and His glory. You cannot live for your comfort and His glory at the same time. So all of a sudden, if I'm focused on Jesus, I'm not just looking every now and then for an opportunity to to demonstrate fruit. I'm constantly, perpetually looking for opportunities to make fruit. And so when I see an obstacle that's too high, or I see something that I know I'm not going to be able to do, I'm going to say, Lord, please empower me to be able to accomplish this. Please let me be able to have the right words. Let me be able to remember this. Let me be able to do this for your glory. Lord, not for mine, but this opportunity for fruit here. I have remained in you. His words have remained in me. Whatever you ask in His name, He will do it. And now you don't have to live in fear any longer, which is one of the things that keep us so far away from Him, is living in fear. What will my friends think? What will my friends do? Let me tell you what your friends will think and do. They'll be attracted to Jesus Christ through you, and you'll see them bearing fruit in their lifetime. If you you want to really see fruit in a harvest... One of the things that most vine dressers would tell us is that you have to work every other season, not just harvest season. You know, there's seasons of plucking and pruning, and there's seasons of watering, and there's seasons, all sorts of seasons. Every, in fact, every real season has its own responsibility of work. And so what he is saying is there if you if you have an opportunity to bear fruit or you see an opportunity to bear fruit and all of a sudden you start focusing on the vine for help. Mm. What we need to be doing is staying firmly committed to Jesus Christ at all times and then He'll start giving us an eye to see the opportunity of fruit all the time. But we need to be remaining in Jesus even when there's no fruit. Remaining in Christ, being obedient to Him, not just when we see a chance for fruit, but remaining in Him even when we don't. That's what these verses are telling us here. Now, I don't know. I'm, I'm going I'm to use this as an illustration. I honestly don't know that it fits. 
So I want you to test the spirit and see. Uh, I just, I think it does. Uh, so in Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 7, and again in verse 12, I'm going to read these verses. This is, a, this is a, an illustration of a tree, a prophecy of a tree. Revelation chapter 22 also talks about a very similar tree, if it's not the same one. But uh, I'm going to read you Isaiah's prophecy, and then we're going to move from there. Ezekiel, Ezekiel, rather. Ezekiel said, Many trees were now growing on both sides of the river. All kinds of fruit trees will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of those trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month without fail, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food, and the leaves are for healing. Now the fulfillment of that prophecy is found found in Revelation chapter 22, where we're talking about the holy city of God. And there there is a tree growing by the river, flowing out of the temple of God, and it bears twelve fruits, each in its season. And it has leaves that are for healing and fruit that is for food. This is, I think, the fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy here in Ezekiel 47. So if we use the same, and again, I don't know that this is exactly what Jesus is talking about, but I think the parallels are so close that it's worth looking at. Okay, So the the fruit is for food. And the leaves are for healing. Food is for the future. It's for the future production, the future strength, future nutrients, right? The healing is for the past. It's the things that have already happened to me. And it's important for a believer to have both of those things. The external is the healing, but the internal is producing fruit. As Jesus Christ has catharized me with the truth of His Word, His Word is flowing through me and it is healing me and producing leaves. But those things are producing fruit, which are the external things for the future. If we as Christians only focus on leaf bearing, then we are all, it's because we are only looking at our own self of our healing, of our overcoming, of our getting fat, And becoming so informed and educated. This is not what God called us to do. He called us to, yes, bear leaves for healing. That's a part of it. That's the the, uh, internal part of it. But there's an external part of it which is producing fruit for the future. For the next generation. And I know it is so easy for us to focus on one or the other. We focus on fruit bearing or we focus on leaf bearing. And I think that it's maybe, you know, I think it's maybe appropriate for the leaf bearers to learn a lot of lessons from the fruit bearers. And it's also important for the fruit bearers to learn some lessons from the leaf bearers and to recognize that we need each other. That's why God planted us together. This congregation planted together. We can learn a lot from each other. And recognize what God ultimately wants for all of us together. So there's a lot of lessons here in John chapter 15 of what God really is wanting us to do. And, and the primary thing, listen, I strip all of that other stuff down. This is very intentional. It's, it's, God's, it's Jesus' last teaching to his disciples. Strip all of it down. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If we will abide in Him and He abides in us, 
then we will produce fruit that will remain. One day, we're going to stand before the Lord and we're going to give an account of our fruit. And I believe that we're going to stand account for how we abided right here in the vine. In verse 5, Jesus says, Abide in me as I also abide in you. His promise, His promise to abide in us. One day I'm going to stand before God and when the Father looks at me and judges me, you know what He's going to see? Paul said, when Jesus returns, I don't know what He's going to look like. I don't know, we don't know what He's going to look like, but we know we will be just like Him. What does He mean by that? It means that one day I'm going to stand before the Father. When the Father sees me, He's going to see Jesus abiding in me. And what does the product of that look like in our life? Are we going to be content not producing anything but leaves that satisfy our own healing? Or are we going to abide in the vine so much that we're producing a harvest of fruit over the course of our lives that on that day, not only would Jesus look like us, but we will look like Him. It takes a, it takes a daily cross-bearing. It takes a daily submitting ourselves. If you're waiting for God to come into your life and start hacking and cutting and sorting and throwing, He's already done that. Our responsibility is to abide in the words of Jesus Christ and allow Him to catheterize every disease that is already in the branch. And when we are able to allow Him to prune us and to lift us up so that we can continue to bear, every day is bearing fruit for His glory. And ask whatever you want and He will do it. Let's pray together. Lord, I just ask this morning that your Spirit would do a work that we can't do. I would love to ask you to force our will. So Lord, I I ask that we would comply with your desire in our life. I pray that we would surrender our selfishness surrender our pride, our arrogance, that we would surrender our desires to have our own way. I pray that we would relinquish our resistance to your truth, to obedience. I pray that we would repent from our excuses and our justifications. And I pray that our life would start looking more and more like the life of Jesus Christ that we would begin to see more love, more grace, more mercy, more compassion. We would begin to to recognize more patience. We begin to see people the way you saw people, the way you see people. Our hearts will begin to break over the things that break your heart. And our prayers would begin to look more like praying for fruit and praying for comfort. That our desires would begin to involve ourselves less and less and that our desires would look more and more about what brings you glory and honor. So help us, Lord, this morning to recognize those things in our life, 
to have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit says to us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.